Studying history is the key to the future, a way to learn from the past to create a better tomorrow. This week on the State of Education with Melvin Adams, we're talking with Jillian Bailo, the Executive Officer of Virginia's Board of Education, recently appointed by Governor Youngkin. Jillian is heading up the effort, backed by thousands of Virginia parents, to restore excellence to the public schools, particularly in history and social studies. Listen in as she and Melvin discuss the important revisions that are happening to Virginia's education standards and other exciting changes to come. Welcome to the State of Education with Melvin Adams. Delighted today to have the Superintendent of Public Instruction. She was appointed as Virginia's 26th Superintendent of Public Instruction by Governor Glenn Youngkin, effective January 15, 2020. As State Superintendent, Baylow serves as the Executive Officer of the Virginia Department of Education, which is the administrative agency for the Commonwealth's public schools. Baylow leads the external functions of the agency and also manages the internal operations. She serves as Secretary of the State Board of Education. Baylow was a classroom teacher for 10 years. She served in the Wyoming Department of Family Services and as a policy advisor to Wyoming Governor Matt Mead before being elected as Wyoming's state superintendent in 2014. She developed a support system for Wyoming's lowest performing schools and reduced the number of schools needing state assistance by 5%. Baylow also incorporated career and military readiness into Wyoming's accountability system and worked with businesses, industry, policymakers, and educators to include computer science education in every K-12 classroom. Since becoming Virginia's state superintendent, Baylow has advocated for the Virginia Literacy Act and provided Governor Youngkin with a report on policy steps necessary to restore high expectations and excellence as objectives for all of the Commonwealth's students. So, Superintendent Baylow, welcome to the program today. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's a pleasure. Tell us about the new social studies and history standards for Virginia students. It's my understanding that these standards are revised every seven years. Is my understanding accurate? And why is this revision such a big deal? Yeah, well, thanks. That's that's a, such an important question right out of the gates. And I'm going to take the easy part first. And that is that we in Virginia and across the nation have multiple content areas uh, with standards. And um, in Virginia, those standards are reviewed every seven years. That doesn't mean that they have to change or be replaced every seven years. It means that they're reviewed. So this just happens to be the time that the social studies standards are reviewed. The review process itself for standards, any set of standards, not just social studies, um, takes a couple of years. And um, social studies has been no exception. 
It's so important right now. And this particular revision is so important because um, we have parents who are more engaged in their children's education than ever. And the standards documents um, have really presented themselves, especially over the last five to 10 years, as that public facing document that says, these are the broad and general goals that we expect our teachers to teach and our students to learn in every content throughout the year at every grade level. And so, um, you know, not only is the document itself important for that, but it also serves as sort of the launching point for teachers to select curriculum and decide what teaching takes place day to day. For um, schools to decide how uh, what curriculum to adopt and how to best train their teachers, even for uh, higher education institutions, colleges and, and universities across the state to say, this is how we want to make sure that our teachers are prepared to teach this content area. So those are just a few reasons why it's so very important. And then, of course, um, we're at a time in our history where we want our students, uh, you know, there, there was actually just a great national survey that came out a few months ago that said uh, across the aisles and across the board, parents want their students or their children to have a great education in history and social studies. And so we want to deliver the very best in class in Virginia. So here's a question for you. Why is social studies and history so important and how are Virginia students doing in that subject? Thanks for that important question coming out of the gate. It is uh it is the question that we all have, right? Why, why now? Why these? And um, and here, here's what we know. Um, over the course of the last ten or twenty years, uh, there's been a de-emphasis on social studies and history in our classrooms, and we see it. Uh, you know, recently I had the opportunity to submit an op-ed op to uh, the Richmond Times Dispatch, and we started off with how it used to be funny uh, when the late-night comedians would ask people on the street simple history questions and people didn't know the answer. Now that's more commonplace than not. What we also know is that parents want kids to have a really great education in history and social studies that's not aligned to a particular ideal um, but or ideology, but is in truth factual and comprehensive. And so Governor Yunkin has been really clear from day one. We want the very best in class standards uh, when it comes to teaching and learning history and social studies. And we want our students in Virginia to learn all of history, the good and the bad. That's what we set out to do. And the truth is that this is really hard work. Hmm. Yes, it is. Well, you know, you are so right. So often, you know, people were watching TV at night and there's the guy with the mic going out and interviewing students on campus or at the beach or wherever. And it's just absolutely appalling many times the the lack of basic knowledge. And uh, that that's got to get fixed because if we don't know who we are or where we came from, uh, it really has, it brings a big problem in having true perspective as, as citizens. And then, of course, the whole, you mentioned the whole ideology focus that goes with it. Uh, unfortunately, we all know that politics has invaded the classroom uh, through ideology, and it's time for that to go away and for us to get back to just factual 
educational content that builds good citizens uh, for our communities. So I appreciate the focus that you have there. Let me let's go back to the the Board of Education. So my, my understanding is that the Board of Education has delayed approval of the proposed standards uh, two times at least, uh, and this is back for another draft. Uh, so there's been some controversy about these standards from the board, apparently. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us more about that? Sure. And and actually, the delays have been on my recommendation. Um, so the, the first, the first uh, recommendation that I made to the board was that they not accept a, a document that was presented in August. And that had the, the work for that uh, document had been primarily done in uh, 2020 and 2021 uh, under a previous administration until Governor Yunkin and, um, and frankly, a, a newly appointed Board of Education had an opportunity to look at it, to wrap their brains around this complicated work, and um, and to weigh in uh, with some some vision around what our history and social studies standards should look like. Um, presented to them in August was an over 400-page document that combined both what we call the standards document, which again are those broad learning goals, as well as a curriculum framework, which is a more detailed plan for each grade level that really says this is how you teach all of these topics. while still a public-facing document, it really moves away from, again, those big goals that we want our students to know about social studies. So my suggestion, my recommendation to the board was give us some more time because we want to pull this massive 400-page document apart and we want to make a standards document, which is what we've always done in the past, plus the curriculum frameworks for each grade level, which again is what we've always done in the past. This was the first time uh, in in history that those two documents had been combined into one. And it's really important that we keep them separate so that it's not confusing for the public uh, the difference between standards, which are kind of the mile markers, and and the curriculum, which are all the steps or all the tire rotations in between each mile, in between each mile marker. Um, so then, uh, you know, we 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 took some time, uh, not enough time, to put another document in in front of the board in November. There were some errors, there were some omissions, um, and uh, so after public comment, I again recommended to the board that we not. That, that we take some additional time uh, from November on, consult some of the groups that had provided public comment, do some more consulting with board members and with other members of the public to make, make sure that we, we get it right. Um, so as I started, this is hard work. Um, it continues to be hard work, but boy, we've, we've hit the mark. Um, we are presenting in front of the board uh, in February um, a, a set of standards that is a concise and thorough uh, set of goals for each grade level, kindergarten through 12th grade in history and social studies. And you mentioned earlier, which I think is so, so important. We want our kids to know facts, facts about history, facts about people. um, And history becomes rich by learning facts and by learning the stories of the people who are involved in American and world history. And then and only then, can we expect them to teach or to think critically about history and to apply um, 
the present day happenings, the current events, and what might happen in the future as it relates to how it happened in the past. So we've taken a lot of care in this um, in this draft and in these standards to make sure that students and teachers have an opportunity to front load with facts and then lots of opportunities for for students to think critically about our past about our present and about our future mm -hmm. yeah it's so important when we study uh content like this that kids are given everything. I mean, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly at appropriate age and study levels uh, so that they can understand kind of how things developed, uh, you know, and how that uh, those actions and those uh, historical events actually helped shape what we have today, what can we learn from that? And, and what can we learn about what's going on today that can make a better tomorrow? That's just part of the whole process of teaching critical thinking. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we, we can't expect students to think critically if they don't have the facts to, to bookend both sides of that. Absolutely. So what updates in these standards are you especially excited about? Well, so much. Um, first of all, you know, there have been so many voices at the table. Uh, this is this is unique because it spans two governor's administrations, two state superintendents, two different board compositions, and lots and lots of common voices across Virginia who have weighed in and said, we want to make sure that our teacher or that our students understand that Virginia history is the basis and really is American history. And being a newcomer to Virginia, that's one thing that I'm so excited about. Um, you know, our students, including my son, have this wonderful opportunity to learn about the um, really the, the, the foundations of our country through the history of the Commonwealth of Virginia. So I'm super excited about the content that's Virginia specific because it feeds into so much about who we are as Americans. And again, it's the good and the bad. And as you said, the ugly, we certainly have sins from our past that we're not proud of, but we want our students to understand that we don't want to repeat mistakes in history. And the only way that we don't repeat mistakes is if we factually teach our students about that. And most importantly, teach teach students about how we've overcome those sins, how we have grown toward a more perfect union, and how our republic and our constitution and the Declaration of Independence and our Bill of Rights continue to be these foundational documents, as well as America's people who grow toward a more perfect union. So I think, you know, just I, 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 um, I, I pontificated maybe a little bit more than I should, but I'm so excited about the aspects of American history that are in these standards. And I really truly believe that they will be a model for the best way to teach students across the country about American history. You know, there is a lot of response to uh, this work uh, through the media. Uh, and of course, you know, media puts its spin on everything. Uh, but if I, if I may, this is a part, a portion from the a Washington Post uh, article. Uh, one of the alterations to the guidelines is a new section titled Implementation of Virginia's History and Social Science Standards. 
and then they continue to say, which is lacking from the previous version. It lays out a broad framework for teaching history in Virginia that seems to be an attempt to navigate left-leaning and right-leaning theories of appropriate education. For example, one bullet point on this section states, students should be exposed to the facts of our past, even when those facts are uncomfortable, but then adds that Teachers should engage students in age-appropriate ways that do not suggest students are responsible for historic wrongs based on immutable characteristics such as race or ethnicity. Um, I totally agree with those concepts. That's how we should. You don't put guilt on kids. You give them education, tell them what happened, and then how do we make it better from here? Do you want to comment on this? Sure. I, I was a little bit surprised to read that. And um, and it still shocks me to even just hear that read to me. And, um, you know, of course, we want teachers checking their politics and their ideologies at the door. Their job, um, no teacher's job is to impart ideology. In fact, that would be antithetical to the public education system and what we expect to have happen in American public school classrooms. And um, so I'm a little bit baffled about why that um, that particular statement would be controversial. Also, um, an iteration of that was in the November draft standards document that we put in or that that was in front of the board and discussed. So this concept um, isn't new to anyone. Um, you know, I know I I, I spent over a decade in uh, public school classrooms teaching. I didn't teach social studies, but um, I did teach high school students, and and I remember when I was in a rural school where I had kids for multiple years and one student always wanted to know what political party that I was in and he could never figure it out. And one day he'd think one thing and one day he'd think another. And even at the time, even though this was a long time ago, I was really proud of that, right? I, I must be doing something right if kids don't know um, my opinion about the subject matter, but I have given them opportunities to question uh, the content that's in front of them question themselves as emerging adults, ask ask tough questions, um, to think through tough answers. And that's what we want to facilitate as educators. We want to facilitate critical thinking, not do the thinking for them. Governor Youngkin many times has said, we want to teach students uh, how to think, not what to think. And um, so again, I, I was a little bit baffled why this would be surprising to anyone, because it goes right along with that. One thing that we like to do um, with all of our major documents at the Department Edu of Education is, um, is front load those with what we call guiding principles. And I believe that that is a section from the guiding principles that just basically says, we expect every teacher to check their ideology and their politics at the, at the door, no matter which side of the aisle they're on. That's not their job. Right. So let me ask this. So, you know, this is a process and there has, has been and perhaps will be in the future opportunity for public comment and hearings and so forth. So as you understand it, I mean, Nothing is, you know, there's a process here, but as the best you understand. So you're, you said in February, this would be coming back to the board. Uh, do you anticipate additional comments or any of that kind of stuff? Or do you believe this is wrapping up? 
Yeah, so here's what the process looks like. Um, in February, uh, the State Board of Education, February 1 and 2, those are the, the public uh, board meeting dates. Um, February 1, um, uh, the staff at the Virginia Department of Education will present these standards to the board for discussion and for questions. Um, anyone can log on to that and, uh, you know, or they can come in person and watch that discussion. Um, they can't interact with it at that moment because there's not an opportunity for public comment, but they can certainly view that, watch that, attend the meeting. On February 2, which is the business meeting, that's when the board will take this up uh, as an action item. And that's also when Virginia or whomever um, will have an opportunity to start public comment. I encourage folks to come or to submit their public comments uh, to the Board of Education to, to be heard, to be read by members of the board. Um, at that point, the board could decide to accept those for public, or excuse me, accept those for what we call first review. And the first review is simply the board's nod that, hey, these are ready to go forward in the process. That kicks off a cycle of public hearings. This is all laid out in code, um, but we are going above and beyond that. So I think that, that state code requires us to do three public hearings. We will, in fact, do more than three public hearings. And these are opportunities for people to say, um, you know, this is what I like about the standards. This is what I don't like about the standards. Um, it could be repeat customers or it could be folks who are talking about it for the very first time. Uh, and we'll listen to those. When warranted, we may make changes to the standards document. And then we'll present that to the board again at a future date. Um, and the board will have an opportunity again to take that up publicly. They could choose to go through the standards document line by line and make 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 changes to it or alterations. Um, but typically what happens is they may make some changes, they may accept the changes that we've proposed, and then those are approved uh, by, by vote of the board. And then um, we go through Another process with schools, they adopt curriculum, uh, we do professional development, we adjust our assessment, and these will be implemented in 2024 and 2025 school year in every classroom across Virginia. So that's an outline of the process. Sure. It is not a quick process. Right. I understand that. Well, thanks for sharing that. We'll do our best to uh, put uh, information in, a, in the footnotes of this show, as well as share as we go along when dates that these things happen. We'll try to track with it so that our audience can, can follow and engage if they wish to. Um, thank you for that. So here, here's a maybe... Maybe a final question. Um, would you like to make any statements about this administration's overall goals in education and specific deliverables you believe that Virginia parents care about? Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, what a what a wonderful question to end on. And um, and I'm so excited. You know, over the weekend, um, I. I was just doing some reading and um, Virginia really is ground zero Uh for education issues, and um, and that's largely due to Governor Youngkin's leadership on the issue. Um, fundamentally, uh, parents matter. Uh, parents are responsible for uh, for raising their children, 
for guiding everything from their education to their health care to their well-being and the decisions, the day-to-day decisions and development of children. Somewhere along the way, some folks have lost sight of that and think, think that, that uh, maybe that's a, a, a role that government should have a, a a play or a role that government should have. Um, Governor Yunkin has worked since day one to um, to empower parents to make sure that parents matter in every education decision, every parenting decision, and um, and and has made a, a goal and a commitment to make sure that parents matter every day in education. And it is an honor to uh, to work on that agenda uh, with both parents, teachers, students, families, and um, and Governor Yunkin as we continue to fulfill that agenda and that mission. Well, thank you for your leadership. Thank you for joining us today, and uh, we wish you all the best as you continue to lead. You've been listening to The State of Education with Melvin Adams, a Noah Webster Educational Foundation podcast. We're a nonprofit organization with the goal of reclaiming education and culture through foundational principles and sound policy. To partner with us, you can give a tax-deductible gift at nwef.org slash donate. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Tune in next week for more on The State of Education.